0: Amen. Right. Numbers chapter 32. We're in. We're just going to look at the first few verses again. So Numbers 32 and from verse 1, the Bible reads, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, the place was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Ataroth, and Debon and Jazer and Nimrah, and Heshbon, and Eliali, and Shebam, and Nebu, and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel, is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over jordan and the title of my sermon today is how to get your prayers answered how to get your prayers answered i'd like to pray before we uh, get going with the message properly father thank you for uh, for your word thank you for Um, the the many examples you give us in the bible of things such as this such as this topic we're going to look at today and getting our prayers answered and um, help help me to just preach these truths from your word just clearly and accurately and boldly today lord help everyone to have attentive ears Uh, please just keep the distractions to a minimum help everyone to just focus on what your word has to say fill me with your spirit please lord in jesus name for all this amen How many times will a Christian say, why aren't my prayers being answered? It happens a lot, doesn't it? And and in fact, how many times, sadly, will a non-Christian say that? A lot of non-christians will say why aren't my prayers being answered why did this happen why did that happen uh, prayer is such a blessing isn't it it's such an amazing tool but but how many people forsake it for one reason or another and i think there's a an old saying in christianity that probably if there's one thing most people say they could improve it would be their prayer life yeah their prayer life and um we're, we're going to look at that a bit today we're going to look at this story in Numbers 32 to see what we can learn about getting our requests met by god um here at this point in numbers just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at the children of israel are basically about to enter the promised land okay and and they've just destroyed a load of the wicked inhabitants on the east side of the jordan river Uh, and and yeah just a quick point on that the god of this nation or the god of this world sorry and the god you know obviously where the nation of israel is is their people he, he will happily genocide whole nations okay in case anyone's wondering and gets confused about this yes god will genocide whole nations turn to leviticus 18 and rather than complain about it maybe those atheist types who seem to have a big issue by the way with only the god of the bible and who the god of the bible is they seem to have more of an issue with that rather than the fact that he exists well maybe they should take heed maybe they should take heed as to who the God of the Bible really is, rather than constantly trying to just call him names and go on about the fact that yes, he will genocide whole nations. In Leviticus 18, God gives us this long list of filthy sins, okay, including various different types of incest, child sacrifice, they call it abortion nowadays, adultery, and then he ends with possibly the worst, two very similar abominations. He says in verse 22 of Leviticus 18, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, it is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast, that's an animal, to defile thyself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these, for in all these, sorry, the nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. The land was defiled because of these types of sins. And that doesn't say much for the land that we live in, does it? Okay, think how many of these sins go on. In fact, pretty much all of this goes on in our land. And that's just that's probably, you know, a good indication that our land's defiled as well, isn't it? Okay, and God will happily wipe out whole nations. He used his people, his nation, that godly nation to do that, to basically bring that, that judgment upon these wicked nations who are partaking in all these filthy sins. Well, go back to number 32 with that in mind, because they, they've been bringing God's righteous judgment and, and they're, they're getting ready to cross Jordan into the promised land, which meant more judgment upon the people of that land, by the way. Two of the tribes, Reuben and Gad, they see that the land that they've just conquered is a good place for their cattle. So they haven't, now, they haven't crossed Jordan yet. They're on the east side of Jordan at this point. They, they look at this land and this is a good place for cattle, this is a good place for us. Look at Numbers 32 again in verse 1 with that in mind. It says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, the place was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and, and to Eleazar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation." saying, Ataroth and Debon and Jazer and Nimra and Heshbon and Eliali and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, even a country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. So they're requesting that they stay and have that land instead of going over Jordan. And the title is how to get your prayers answered. And number one on that is become an Israelite. Become an Israelite. You want to get your prayers answered, become an Israelite. Turn to to Romans chapter 9. Am I talking about putting on a silly hat, growing your sideburns and blaspheming Jesus? No, because those people aren't Israelites. They're what the Bible calls in Revelation 2.9, the synagogue of Satan. Okay, in case anyone's confused about that topic. No, those people are the synagogue of Satan. Revelation 2.9 says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. So there are people, there were people out there 2,000 years ago, and I tell you, there's a lot of people out there still today that say they are Jews and are not, and according to the Bible, are the synagogue of Satan. That's not what I'm talking about. Now, even 2,000 years ago, there was such a thing as provable physical seeds of Abraham. However, Paul said in Romans 9, Romans 9 and verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Okay, those people that are the physical seed are not the children of God, but the children of the promise accounted for the seed. Now turn to Galatians 3, and while you turn, I'm going to read Galatians 4.28 where Paul's talking to a church of believers. He's talking to the church in Galatia and he said, Now we, we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. How do you become a child of promise? Well, Galatians chapter 3 where you're turning in verse 26 says this. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus you become a spiritual Israelite, a child of promise, a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear about this. Okay, look, there's a lot of people out there that don't want to admit this truth and they try all sorts of sort of mental gymnastics, I've heard it called many times, to try and somehow get around this truth. The Bible's clear as though, look at verse 27. For as many as you as have been baptised into Christ, but on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Right. Go back to Numbers 32, where, where being God's people meant that they were able to make requests to God, albeit through Moses. And, and who does Moses picture? Well, the eternal mediator, Jesus Christ, isn't it? And if you want to have access to God through prayer, you need to get saved. Okay, You need to get saved. I say that because how many people will you come across who complain that God just didn't give them what they wanted? I, I, I don't know, anyone yesterday come across that? Maybe, no, I had, I had one yesterday who just basically, I've got issue with God because so-and-so happened. Why did this happen? Why didn't what I wanted to have happen? Basically, why didn't my prayers get answered? The guy's a Roman Catholic, he's not even saved. How dare he? How dare he, dare he try and say that God should answer his prayers? He doesn't even believe in the God of the Bible. He believes in a false God. And, and that's, we get that all the time, don't we? We get people all the time who are saying, well, God did not, I don't, I don't even, I now choose to not believe God even exists because he didn't answer my prayers. You're not even saved. You're not a spiritual Israelite. So why on earth is God going to listen to your prayers? And look, you, wanna, you want God to listen to your prayers, you need to make sure you're saved. Because what's it like? It's like the neighbour's kids complaining to me that I didn't buy them an ice cream. That's what it is, isn't it? It's like, well, where's my ice cream? Well, oh, you're the neighbour's kids. In fact, it's worse because with, with God, becoming one of his children is so easy. Unlike the neighbour's kids, you can't just become my kid, you can become God's child if you choose to. Galatians 3.26, where you were, said, For ye are all the children of God. How? By doing a hundred different things, by following a load of commandments? No, by faith in Christ Jesus. All you've got to do is tr- trust Jesus Christ and God becomes your daddy. Yeah. And then when God's your daddy, you can pray to him and ask him for things but you've got to make him your daddy first. It's faith in Jesus Christ, what? Death, burial, and resurrection, paying for all your past, present and future sins. But that's pretty simple, isn't it? All you've got to do is trust Jesus Christ. These people, they reject the sacrifice of God's son, they reject God, and then they have the nerve to complain when things don't go their way. They have the nerve to go, well, why did this happen in my life? Why did that person die? Why did this? Why didn't I get that? Why did I have to go through this? What are you talking about? You, didn't even, you don't even want him. You're rejecting him. You've been rejecting him for 50 years. And now you're going to complain because you didn't get what you wanted when you asked for it. It's madness, isn't it? Okay, but point number one. Yeah, you need to, you need to make sure you're a child of God. And first, you don't have to turn there. First Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's a mediator, it's, it's by Jesus Christ. That's the only way you'll be, you'll be getting your prayers even heard. Now, there's only one way of, uh, you know, that you're going to get access to God in prayer. Okay? Obviously, that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at Numbers 32. It says here, now the, the, in verse 1, now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle and when they saw the land of Jazar and the land of Gilead that behold the place was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation saying, now the children of Reuben and Gad were Israelites, God's children, they were able to come to Moses the mediator, the priest, who was a high priest here, and the princes And what do we come to? Well, there's one one man, one God that fulfills all of that. It's Jesus Christ, the mediator. He's also the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he's a prince of life, isn't he? Okay, here we're seeing representations of that now. Jesus Christ fulfills all of that. And we come to him now, don't we? We come to him in prayer. The title is How to Get Your Prayers Answered. Number one, become an Israelite. The children of Gad said... Ataroth, and Debon, and Jazer and Nimrah, this is verse three now, and Heshbon, and Elielah, and, and Shebam, and Nebo, and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. So we saw number one, become an Israelite. Number two, humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. Notice how the children of Gad and Reuben did get puffed up by the recent victories. By the way, if you, when you read through Numbers, uh, the book of Numbers, they've just crushed the chapter before. They've just crushed a whole people. You know, they've just wiped them all out. And, and here they're humble about it though, aren't they? Look at verse four again. It said, Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle and thy servants have cattle. How often can we be on the back of something amazing by God in our lives? Some answered prayer... And then we try and take the credit ourselves. It happens so often, doesn't it? God comes through. God does something amazing for you. And then within a week or two, you're going, well, uh, the way I did this, the way, well, you know, I really did get that. And you start to push God out of it and start to take the credit yourself. And we quickly explain, or, or we just explain away the last prayer, don't we? We, we explain it, you know, maybe, you know, the, we take the glory from God in one way or another. We become ungrateful a lot of the time. So maybe you've seen it, you've seen that prayer answer, and then slowly you start to veer towards, well, that probably just happened because of this. Well, I know he just did this amazing thing in my life, but hey-ho, that happens to loads of people anyway. You know, and we often try and take the credit away from God. And, and suddenly, you get people complaining that God's not there for them, how tough things are, etc. But you know what's so useful in life, I find, is to just, just be more thankful. Constantly be thankful, remind yourself to just always be thankful to God. I've said this before, there's an old preacher I used to listen to, who I, it's just always stuck with me how he set a time of the day. Every day, his routine was at this time, that prayer time was just to give thanks, was just gratitude. It wasn't asking requests, it wasn't trying to get this, get that, it was just thanks. Looking, and, and if you focus on the things, if you focused on thanking God, I think a lot of the time it's going to humble you, isn't it? If you focus on thanking God, I think that, that you're going to give him the credit a lot more than when you're just constantly, it's just me, 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 I want this, I want that, yeah? Giving thanks to God. Turn to Psalm 10. Part of prayer is drawing close to God, and, and that's not happening if you take the credit for every act of God in your life, is it? You, we, we, prayer is, is drawing close to him. Psalm 10, verse 17. Turn to Psalm 10, and verse 17 says this. Lord, Thou hast heard the desire of the humble; Thou wilt prepare their heart; Thou wilt cause Thine ear to hear. God listens to the humble, doesn't He? He helps them. He makes sure that He hears their prayer. If you want your prayers answered, humble yourselves in front of God. And and a good way of doing that, like I said, is to be regularly thanking for all the blessings in your life. Thank him, thank him, thank him. And that's going to keep you humble, isn't it? If you're not regularly thanking him, we start to slowly get puffed up, start to take the credit ourselves, start to take it away from God. Now I've turned to 1 Timothy 6, 8, says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So if we should be content with the minimum in life, everything else is a blessing, isn't it? But how often do people, instead of being content with what they have, they're just looking over their shoulders at what everyone else has? They're constantly focusing on what other people have and then they're no longer content, and they're no longer grateful, and then they're always thinking, I should have more, I should have more, I should have more. And ultimately, that's a prideful spirit, isn't it? What do any, why do any of us deserve any more than food and raiment? And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Everyone here that's saved, you have already got eternity in heaven. So why, why do we deserve any more? We don't deserve any more. Okay? However, God does sometimes give us more. And praise God when he does, but we should be thanking him for everything we do get. Start thanking him for everything else that you have instead of enviously eyeing what everyone else has. And and so many people do that. They're just looking, always looking, always looking at what other people have, always focusing on other people and not on what they've been given, which they don't deserve, by the way. Yeah, what do we deserve? Anyone here thinks that they deserve a palace? They deserve whatever they have? None of us. At the end of the day god god no! what a blessing god gives us anything start thanking for it and you might be a bit less envious of everyone else go back to number 32 where, where not only were the tribes of reuben and gad humble towards god but they were humble towards their spiritual leadership as well look at verse 4 number 32 and verse 4 says even the country which the lord smote before the congregation of israel so they're putting the credit uh, giving the credit to god there is a lamb for cattle and thy servants have cattle wherefore said they If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. So they didn't march up to Moses, Eleazar and the princes demanding it, did they? Trying to lift themselves up in front of the leadership. And believe me, people do that weird stuff. Just in a couple of years of ministry you'd be amazed how people their whole exterior just changes when they're in front of you they're kind of trying to lift themselves up trying to puff themselves up trying to prove their knowledge prove how like how much bible knowledge they have or you know how much soul winning they do how much bible reading they do it's like, just you don't need to do that you, know, you don't need to do that i'm not really interested and people do that and they it's so weird yeah it's really weird but here, here they're not trying to do that are they they're not trying to prove their holiness they're not trying to prove how they they should be where you are they should be behind the pulpit because you know i've been saved for three years read the bible five times yeah i'm i'm the, I'm the same as you you yeah, how dare you how dare you dare to preach to people it's like just just listen to the preaching it's the word of god now get right submit yourselves to your spiritual leadership yeah And that's what they do here. They just say, yeah, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession. Because in fact, earlier in the book of Numbers, we see the opposite, don't we? We see Korah, Dathan and Abiram doing exactly what I'm saying that people do in churches. Numbers 16, 3, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm only going to read the one verse. Numbers chapter 16 and verse 3 says this. This is the, the famous rebellion they said and they gathered themselves together number 16 three against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them ye take too much upon you seeing all the congregation are holy every one of them and the Lord is among them wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. So they're like they're just putting You know, and people do this so they always put it on the leader they're so full of it oh you know he's so puffed up preaching the bible how dare he thinks he's perfect you know or or or, you know it's all about them isn't it all about you because you're preaching from behind a pulpit Moses was the meekest man the whole face of the earth he's described as the meekest man the face of the earth yet what are these people saying you lift yourselves up but ultimately what is it it's their pride they can't deal with the fact that there's someone preaching to them they can't deal with the fact that someone leading and it's not them And of course, you know, these were wicked, rebel-rousing reprobates, okay? Not a good look, all right? That were never going to be able to accept the leadership. So it didn't matter what happened, they were never going to be able to accept it. They'll find their excuse, they'll find their reasons why they're justified, but really they were never going to accept the leadership, were they? Okay, so God wants to see humility in all areas of our lives. Turn to 1 Peter 5. James 4, 6 says this. Well, you'll turn to 1 Peter 5. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Okay, so look, God resists the proud. It's not good to be full of pride. In 1 Peter 5, Peter's commanding all of us to be humble. Look, everyone should. So it wasn't, oh, well, Moses in leadership, so he doesn't have to be humble. Eliezer's in, you know, the, the priest, he doesn't have to be humble. No, we should all be humble. Okay, we should all be humble. He said in verse 1, the elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in to the flock. And there are people that expect the opposite, don't they? They want a guy just shouting, you know, talking down at people, shouting at people away from the pulpit, you know, and everything else. That's not what God calls he doesn't call people to be lords over God's heritage, but being in to the flock. But, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. That should be something that we're recognised with, being clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. He's telling us again, he resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Cut out the pride. And look, it's not just reprobates that are proud, okay? Look, all of us have, have, can, can easily get pride for in different areas of life. God doesn't want us to be like that. If you're just like, how dare that person treat me like this? Well, it sounds like pride to me, doesn't it? Who are you? And, and, and in many different ways, people just get puffed up, get proud, get, look, God resists this for the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So he wants to, you to come to him in prayer, but he will resist you if you're proud, won't he? he says here, yeah, God resisteth the proud. He will resist you if you're proud. Go back to number 32. The title is how to get your prayers answered. Number one, become an Israelite. Number two, humble yourself. And just last point on that, because how many people, they're almost angry and well they just show their pride when they're like why am I not getting this why am I not getting that why is God not giving me what I want and it sounds like pride a lot of the time doesn't it me 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 I should I should get this I deserve that I deserve to have the rosy life I deserve to have all these areas in my life well it sounds like pride and I wonder because God resists the proud yeah and giveth grace to the humble we need to get humble don't we Verse 6, back in number 32, says this. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? Now Moses was meek, yeah? He was the meekest man on the face of the, the whole earth. However, he still ripped face, didn't he? Here he ripped some face. And you could say this, by the way, what he says here, you could say to the majority of God's children around the world, couldn't you? Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? Because that is most believers in the world, isn't it? Every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every midweek service, every week that soul winning goes on and instead they're sitting at home with their feet up going, why aren't you answering my prayers? It's madness, absolute madness. He said, shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? And, and, and that says, goes to all those Christians out there who have never even opened their mouth, who have never even unsheathed the sword. They're not going to war. Every part-time Christian, every, every, you know, I sit at home and watch sermons on YouTube Christian. Every I just do absolutely nothing for God Christian. What on earth? What on earth? Moses isn't happy, is he? he he's, he's actually, he's given them here. But Reuben and Gad had already battled for the Lord, by the way. So they had already crushed the Moabites, the Midianites, the Amorites. They'd, they'd done their bit, hadn't they? Oh, they've already gone to battle. Was that all right? No, it wasn't. The battle continues. The battle continues your whole life. It continues every week. And right now in this nation, for me, the hottest place is, is in Wickford, Essex. That's where the battle is. That's where we're going to war for the Lord. And, it, and it's Wednesday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday. I've said this many times. Christianity, church, isn't, isn't like backpack community club. It's not where you just go and sort of, you know, and feel really good about yourselves and go home. A lot of the time you're battling. A lot of the time you're at war in church. A lot of the time the, the battle is to either really get to church. A lot of the time it's a spiritual battle to be in church, to get to church, to, to, to deal with sometimes the battle coming to you in a church. Then going out and preaching the gospel to people and taking the battle out across to to the doors, across to the streets, to the highways and hedges. It's a battle, it's a war. And right now, for me, I don't see anywhere anywhere else where the war's as hot as it is in Wickford. Now, I'm not to say that there there aren't wars going on around the the nation. I I hope and pray there are still some some churches right with God that have the gospel right. I just don't really know of any anymore. They just seem to all be off on it. However, look, uh, whether there are or aren't, the battle's hot, isn't it? And if you're not in a battle here, you should be in a battle somewhere. You should be in a battle somewhere. Otherwise, basically, you're sitting here while your brethren go to war. And, and I don't think you're going to be getting your prayers answered if that's you. And Do you know what? It's not just, by the way, that the numbers are lower when that happens. It's not just, well, your brethren are going and you're not there joining in. Those sitting at home discourage others. Now, some people know this, okay? They know this and they'll kind of try and make a big show of that sometimes as well. Okay, because they want to discourage, they want to discourage others. But either way it does. Verse 7 says, and wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the Lamb which the Lord hath given them. So he said, Your part-time Christianity is discouraging others from going to battle. That, that's why. Those famous verses from Hebrews 10, you can turn there if you want. Those famous verses from Hebrews 10, that's really what they're saying. Okay? It's not, oh, well, people use it and just go, look, you need to be at church, because it says this. But what are are those verses really saying? Well, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, let us consider one another. It's talking about the effect on other people to provoke unto love and to good works. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of summits. Yeah, you should be in church. But it's not just because he told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's because of what's the goal of it, the rest of the verse says but exalting one another that's encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching that being in church going to church going soul winning being part of the army going out and fighting for the lord encourages the others as well and when people start stop when they stop doing that and these people have been out to battle Look, there have been some great you know in, in, in our terms, they going, they've been some great soul winners. They've been out there doing the things of God. They've been free to thrive. They've been getting involved with everything, all the marathons, soul winning in the week. But if those people, when they slip, they're going to discourage the others. You could do it all, but it's, look, it's, that's not, oh, well, I've done it now. I've encouraged some people. Because the opposite happens when you backslide. And if they'd stopped going to war, they would discourage the rest of the the rest of the camp, the rest of the Israelites. Because it has the opposite effect when we forsake it, doesn't it? Verse 8 says, Thus did your fathers, back to, to sorry, back to uh, Numbers 32. says, Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swears, saying... Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac and unto Jacob because they have not wholly followed me save Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenazite and Joshua the son of Nun for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. God isn't happy with these bitter demoralization types is he? Uh, it's pretty clear God's not happy I mean he punished a whole lot of them verse 14 says and behold you are risen up in your father's stead an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel for if ye turn away from after him he will yet again leave them in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all this people all the people not just about them not just those two tribes the whole lot there's a collective responsibility isn't there like it or not Christianity is a team game now you, you might not like that, you might be out for yourself, but there's no I in team, okay? It's a team game, and, and again so many people it's like, what can I get out of this first today? What can I, and yeah look, we want to build ourselves, we want to grow, we want to grow as Christians, but we can't forget that Christianity is a team game. The Bible's written really and so many of those letters in the New Testament. Who are they written to? Churches. Churches, they're written to a collective. And that's why when you're out of church, you're not in church, half the Bible doesn't even apply. When you're not a solid part of a church, part of the team, half it's not even applying to you. Because the whole point is that we're a team, we're a group, we're going out and doing great things. It can be small in number. God does many great things with those small in number, doesn't he? And we go out and we do the work of God as a team. And when we're we're demoralising others, when when we're shirking our responsibility, it has an effect on the whole team. He said here, And they came, and it says here, in verse 16, they came near unto him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fence cities because of the inhabitants of the land. So how to get your prayers answered? We're gonna look at number three here, which is seek God's will, seek God's will. Moses has just preached fire at them, hasn't he here? I mean, that was some fiery preaching. He, he said, God wants you fighting with your brethren, didn't he? And did they sulk and refuse to listen? Try to find an out of context verse to discredit his message? You know, Well, God did say to love your wives, so you know they don't want us to go or something. Did they try and find a way out of it? No, they said, let's make sure that our request is according to God's will, didn't they? they in fact, they were willing to, basically, the picture is really for me, they were willing to change their prayer so that it was God's will. So they kind of, it's almost like they kind of went with the first request, that clearly wasn't God's will, the word of God said it wasn't, the preacher said it wasn't, and they didn't go, oh well, I'm not fussed, that's what I want, that's it, no, they were, okay, I'm going to change my prayer, I'm going to change my request now, we're going to slightly change the terms, yeah, we're going to go and seek God's will. Look at verse 16 and 17 again. And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready, armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place, and our little ones shall dwell in the fence cities because of the inhabitants of the land. And, and that can be hard for many, can't it? You, you have an idea of how you think you should do things, The preacher preaches the Word of God, which clearly says, no, that's wrong. Your goal, your your wants, your desires, your prayers in life are wrong. You've got them wrong. Maybe you read the Word of God and you clearly see God reproving you. And many people aren't strong enough to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That takes a strength. That takes a humility as well to say, yeah, look, I wanted that. My goal was this. The Word of God says otherwise not my will but thine be done and and you know what altering your prayer according to God's will is well it's the only way you're really going to get your prayers answered turn to 1st John 5 because many have this false image of prayer that it's to give you anything that your wicked heart desires well people think that don't they it's like the sort of genie in the lamp god you just kind of rub it and ask for something and hey presto you're going to get it yeah (laughs) Well, James four three, well you're turning to first John five. James four and verse three says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So many people ask for things that are really just to consume upon their lusts. If you're asking for things that aren't God's will, you're not going to get them. And thankfully we don't have the lazy parent God that just gives us anything we want to shut us up. Because we could, couldn't we? And many parents, sadly, are like that, but we don't have that as a father. The, the, the father that shoves us in front of the TV or the iPad with a bag of sweets because it keeps us, keeps us quiet, or they kind of get on with you know, whatever they want to do. Well, we don't have that. We don't have that, that father that gives a teenager 20 quid to go out with his worldly mates and then wonders why he's in a pool of vomit the next morning. You know, we don't have that sort of father, do we? Or sadly, a lot worse than that. First John chapter 5 says this in verse 14, 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask, did he say some things? No, anything according to his will, he heareth us. If you ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So, so you could be confident when you're asking things according to his will. He's going to hear your prayer, and depending on the other points that we're looking at here, he's going to answer it as well. Turn to John chapter 15, because I don't know about you, I'm pleased that God, who sees the beginning from the end, doesn't let me decide what's best. Uh, I hope you guys think that as well, some people just say, oh, I just want what I want. Well, I'm glad that God kind of overrules that, because otherwise I'm going to have a lot of things that aren't best for me, yeah? God knows better. How do we know what his will is, though? Well, John 15 shows us how we, how we can be confident that we're asking His will. He said in John 15 and verse 7, John 15 and verse 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Wait a second, I thought it was what He wills. Well, yeah, but if, he abides, if you abide in Him and His words abide in you, you are going to be asking His will. So when Jesus Christ, Christ is the centre of our lives, when His word abides in us, we read them, we memorise them, we hear them, we live them, then what you ask will be his will, won't it? Then what you, you, you're, you're going to be less likely to be asking things that aren't his will. You'll stop asking for the Ferrari and ask for world peace. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we had that at the elderly home the other week. Any prayer requests? World peace. World <laughs> peace. God came to bring division. <laughs> Jesus Christ brought a sword. I don't know if that... Well, well, he did want peace between God and men, but unfortunately that's not going to be the world over, is it? But, um, but you'll be asking for, for things, hopefully, things that are more his will than, you know, than what are your will. And let's be honest, you get that Ferrari, you're probably going to crash and die, okay? I know I probably would. But Psalm 37, 4, you have to turn there, says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Hey, look, you're delighting yourself in God, then what are the desires of your heart going to be? They're going to be the right desires, aren't they? They're going to be the things that God wants you to have if you're delighting in him. Go back to Numbers 32. Abiding in him and in his word and his word sorry abiding in you leads on to the final point okay so the title is how to get your prayers answered number one is become an israelite number two is humble yourself number three is seek god's will and let's just have a look at a few verses from verse 18 and we look at number four verse 18 says we will not return unto our houses until the children of israel have inherited every man his inheritance for we will not inherit with them on yonder side jordan or forward because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. And Moses said unto them, if ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if ye will not do so, behold ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out the title is how to get your prayers answered number four get right with god get right with god moses said to them if you will go armed before the lord to war then you'll be guiltless and your request shall be answered look if you want to get your prayers answered then you better make sure that you're right with god okay the bible's clear about that you need to be right with god Moses said in verse 6 shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here and you've got Christians out there literally doing nothing for God at all, avoiding church, avoiding soul winning, and then they're complaining that their prayers aren't being answered. And, and you, you, you see it all the time, you see these people around, I just, oh, he's just answering my prayers. It's like, well, where have you been for the last half a long? Where are you? You're, you're some guy online who doesn't even go to church or something. Oh, God never answered my prayers or something else. Turn to Psalm 66 and and it's not just the the obvious things church and there are obvious things in life church attendance soul winning prayer bible reading bible study tithing all these things which god clearly commands but you've got christians disobeying other clear commands of god as well willfully disobeying god and then wondering why 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 am i not getting that new job i just don't understand why i'm not just getting that new job or, or that solution to all your struggles why am i not getting that perfect spouse that break in life, that new home that I've been wanting for years. But you're just clear, you've got clear commands that you know for what, you can easily do. I'm not talking about impulsive sin, I'm talking about presumptuous sin. When you know what the Word of God says, you've heard it preached, you've read it, you've seen it, you know what God wants you to do, and you go, no, not doing it. No, not doing it, but please give me this. What's that about? Look, we're all sinners, we're all going to sin, okay? However, when you're just just brazenly choosing to sin, choosing to do things opposite to how God is telling you to do them, why do you expect him to give you all your wants and all your needs and all your desires and everything that you, that you fancy in life? Isaiah 59 says, but your iniquities, you'll turn to Psalm 66, don't worry, I'll just read this. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He will not hear. Your, your, your iniquities, your sins hide his face from you. And like I said, there's a difference when it's presumptuous sin. When it's willful disregard for the word of God, I'm doing it my way, I don't care. And when you're openly saying, I know it's sinful, but I don't care, I'm doing it anyway. Look, look at Psalm 66. He's not going to hear you. It says, verse 17, Psalm 66 and verse 17 says, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. If you want your prayers answered, get right with God. Make sure you're not hiding from the battle. Be in church, obviously. Get soul winning, read his word. You want him to listen to you, then maybe you listen to him as well. Like, get in his word oh why aren't you hearing my prayers it's like i haven't even picked up your bible i haven't even picked up the bible for a week why are you not answering my prayers i i, I haven't even bothered listening to any preaching for the last month oh, I just oh i give up he's like it's, it's madness isn't it yeah yeah there are so many people out there like that but get the sin out of your life as well T- turn to first john one because what if you'll find that hard because there are those where, where there are sins that are just weighing you down you're not getting that victory over them. You're like, well, I'm in a bit of a vicious circle here because I feel like I can't pray to God because I've got all this sin. And, and people do, they just feel the more they're in sin. We, we've looked at this in, in for example, Genesis and chapter three, the first sin, and they're hiding from God, aren't they? And people do that. They sin and they hide from God. And then they're not praying. Then they're not reading the Bible. And they're in this sort of vicious circle. So what do you do? Maybe, maybe you're finding it hard. You're, there are these sins that you just keep finding yourself getting back into. It. It's not just presumptuous willful sin. It's just impulsive sins that you just keep end up doing. You don't want to, but you keep doing them. What do you do? Well, bring them to God. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'll tell you what, that's a good way to start your prayers, isn't it? He's faithful and just to to forgive them, but he wants you to acknowledge them. So he wants you to acknowledge your sin. It's no good, oh, well, you know, I've sinned, but uh, hey-ho, it'll all be alright. He wants you to bring them to him. And because the more you're then focusing on coming and and asking for forgiveness for sins, then the more you're showing that that want, that desire to not sin, aren't you? If you're just kind of, yeah, whatever, whatever. Oh, he's not answering my prayers now. Or what can I do I'm a sinner anyway no confess them confess them bring them to him look we're all going to sin but bring them to God yeah if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness He's, he wants he wants you to be righteous he wants to help you but he wants you to bring it to him he wants you to have that will to want to not sin go back to number 32 bring them to him once you bring, you start a prayer like that then continue with your prayer you start a prayer like that, you're ticking other boxes, you're bringing your sins to God, you're, you're humble, you're obviously saved, you're humble, you're seeking his will in your prayer, not just as a little kind of, little add-on at the end, God's will be done. No, but actually, look, I want your will, I want you to show me, I want to do what you want me to do, I want this, you know, I want things that, that you want me to have, etc, etc. Pray to God in his will, but start that prayer with, with, with confessing your sins then straight away you should be removing that block, shouldn't you? Because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he will hear your prayer. Go back to Numbers 32 where verse 20 says, And Moses said unto them, If ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go out of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the lord then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the lord and before israel and this land shall be your possession before the lord but if ye will not do so behold you have sinned against the lord and be sure your sin will find you out be sure your sin will find you out those little things that you know behind closed doors when no one's watching that you're in private you think you'll get away with that look your sin will find you out your sin's going to create a block between you and God. Your sin eventually, if you continue in that, will become manifest, okay? Your sin will find you out, cut it out, bring it to God. You need to have a humble, contrite heart, coming to God and saying, look, I, w- I want help with this. I want to get right. I want to be right with you. That, w- that should be our desire. We're all going to sin. We're all going to sin, okay? No, there's, look, there's no one here that's sinless. However, what's our mentality with that? And, and He wants you to, he wants you to bring it to him. It said here, build your cities for your little... And by the way, this is about obvious stuff. This is, I've said I'm going to go to battle for you. I said I'm going to serve you. I'm going to go to war for you. And now I'm not going to bother doing it. Okay? Build your, you cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do that which has proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. They've got the right mentality, haven't they? They're saying, look, God tells us to do this, we're going to do it go, okay, well, God's told us to do this, so I'll do what I can. God knows my situation. God knows, you know, that I'm imperfect. I'll just do the, 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 what I think I can do. Look, your, your heart is deceitful above all things, yeah? You'll convince yourself you can't do any of what God wants you to do. Okay, they just said, we're going to do as my Lord commandeth. And that's a nice mentality, isn't it? Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead, but thy servants will pass over, every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. And by the way, our Lord saith to all of us to go to battle. Okay, he wants every one of his children to go to battle. What was the result? So concerning them, Moses commanded Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the chief fathers fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, if the children of Gad and the children of Reuben will pass with you over Jordan, every man armed to battle before the Lord and the land shall be subdued before you, then ye shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. So it was down to them, get right with God and they get their desire, wasn't it? It came back to them, really. It was like, right, what are you going to do? You do as you said. You get right with God. You follow the clear commands. He's told you to go out and go to battle, go to war, do these things. Then you're going to get what you want. And I'll tell you what, that's a good lesson for us in prayer, isn't it? Yeah, you've got some desires. You've got some requests. You've got some things that you think are God's will for you that you think that God's happy for you to have and happy for you to do, well, how about you fulfil your side of things? You go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to go to battle for you, I'm going to turn up to ch- turn up at church, serve you, and God's going to give you what you want. God's going to give you a desire. He gave them their desire. If not, then they won't, because it said in verse 30, but if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. So he said, if not, then no. They're going to they're carry on with you. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord have said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, that the possession of our inheritance on this side Jordan may be ours. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, and unto half the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with the cities thereof in the coast, even the cities of the country roundabout. So the title is how to get your prayers answered. Number one, become an Israelite. Number two, humble yourself. Number three, seek God's will. Number four, get right with God. Now turn over to 2 Chronicles 17, which now, like, now when we look at this verse, it summarises it all in a nutshell. 2 Chronicles 17. Yeah. Solomon's just in chapter 7, you, sorry 7, not 17. 2 Chronicles 7, he's just finished building the temple. And then God says this, 2 so Chronicles 7 and verse 12. It says, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. This is verse 13 now. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command a locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. So this is specifically in response to chastisement, to tribulation, okay. If my people, and often we're praying in response to chastisement, tribulation, or even just the trials of life, he said, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So look at our four points there again. He said, If my people, which are called by my name, point number one was what? Become an Israelite. Get saved, Yeah shall humble themselves. Point number two, humble yourself. He said, and pray and seek my face. Point number three was seek God's will. And turn from their wicked ways. Point number four was get right with God. What was the result? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The Bible's amazing, isn't it? You, you can get four, four points out of, out of a, a story in Numbers chapter 32 and then see all four points in a verse in 2 Chronicles 7 showing us how God will, will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, heal our land. And for us, look, obviously that's the result, that, that's a prayer in asking for, for a response to, to trials, tribulations, chastisement, etc. But it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah. God wants us humble first he wants us saved okay first he wants you saved and if you're not saved look come and talk to me after the service i'd love to show you how to get saved you want to become an Israelite, okay it's the easiest thing to do you just got to trust jesus christ humble yourself yeah god wants you humble seek god's will he wants you praying for his will in your life yeah? he wants you to get aligned with his will part of prayer is aligning with what god wants in life and number four he wants you to get right with him though get right with god and it's said here if my people which are called by my, by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And that's, a great, um, that's, a, that's a great verse of the Bible there and that kind of summarises the whole sermon. Maybe I should have just read that verse and preached something else. but uh, <laughs> However, hopefully that will help you remember some of that. Because what's the goal really is that, really, what do we want? We, we want our prayers answered, don't we? Yeah, we want our prayers answered. We want them answered for the right reasons, don't we? We want our prayers to be the right prayers as well. Um, On that, we're going to pray. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you that, um, well, you've given us, you know, an amazing thing, an amazing blessing that we're able to come to you. We're able to come to the God of this world and request things and desire things. But Lord, help us to do that in the right way. Help us to to you know take heed, you know to what your your word says about how we get those prayers answered, how we can you know expect to to have our prayers answered, Lord. Obviously, we need to believe as well that they're going to be answered. But, um, Lord, there, there are four clear points there that that you know are essential to having our prayers answered by you. Help us to to really dwell on that as we uh, go into this week, Lord. Uh, think about that with our prayer life. Help us to be grateful and you know and, and just show gratitude to you for all the many things you do give us in life instead of focusing on the things that we feel that we should have and don't have uh, help us to just be humble lord help us to seek your will in, in in everything that we desire in every aspect of our lives and help us to just want to be right with you lord we're going to sin we're going to get things wrong but help us to just have that right mentality help us to have our hearts right help us to just constantly be seeking um just just seeking to be right with you lord and uh, help us to, to bring our sins to you, to confess them, uh, knowing that you, you know you're going to forgive us, you're going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and help us to then just keep serving you, to, to not let that sin become a block between you and us and our, and our walk with you, Lord. Help us to uh, go out to this afternoon, get many people saved, Lord, and return for this evening's service. Just Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.